Welcome to Margin Business Podcast, uh, the show where you will be, where we will invite and interview digital entrepreneurs and listen to their life stories, how they become successful. And today we have Joe with us. Joe is the managing director from e-commerce optimizer, um, one of the I would say most successful SEO companies out there, and a very um, very talented and uh, long-time uh, knower from uh, Amazon. So Amazon, I would say, yeah, let's, I know he don't like specialists, but I, I would call him specialist in, in many uh, uh, different aspects. So yeah, uh, where are you located today, Joe? Uh, I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. Oh, Arizona, Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, like I said already yesterday, when I, when I hear this, you know, it's like a, uh, coyote and uh, yeah. um, <laughs> and uh, and you know the western. I hear the uh, what, what is it called? Play me, play me the song of the dead, deaf. Yeah, right. Is it? Uh -huh. uh, well, yeah, yeah. You know. Tombstone is not far. <laughs> you know that that whole shoe down at the OK Corral. That's just a couple exactly. hours away. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm seeing. You know when I, when I hear uh, uh, Scotts Arizona. Yeah, let me let me know a little bit. How did you grow up? Where did you grow up? And and what was uh, uh, how how did, how Joe got actually into this SEO monster uh, from Arizona? <laughs> that could take a while. I'm not young. Um, <laughs> I, I was born in New York, and uh, oh. I grew up in New York. Um, I live. We moved here when I was 12, so I've been out here for a long time. But um, I grew up in New York, and uh, I had. I had two businesses before we even moved to Arizona. Um, uh, it's uh, yeah, I, I like it here. There's no humidity, so even though it gets hot, it's bearable for the most part. Um, but it doesn't snow here, and our low is during the day is 60 degrees in January. So while they're having blizzards back east, I'm sitting on the patio, in my shorts, you know, watching it on TV, laughing. So oh, that, that's, like that, yeah. that, that's really nice. That's really nice. Really. It's, uh, yeah, you can go year round in shorts and a t-shirt here and not have any winter clothes, which I, I, I like that. I like that, that lifestyle. Oh, that's, that's pretty amazing. That's pretty yeah. amazing. I, I'm sure, I'm sure back in New York, it wasn't like this, right? So you, oh, you no, really no, not at all. Yeah, no, no. We, we were shoveling snow in the winter and. Oh and, yes. I remember this yeah. one. Yeah. It's lots of humidity, but yeah, I don't, uh, snow, it's great when you're a kid. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to have kids and live in the snow just because of all the pre preparation you got to do with little kids, you know, and bundle them up and all that crap. And then they come home and they drag it in the house with them and, you know, digging out the driveway to figure out where, which snow drift is the car. Um, and you I have to that, do it, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I know. Remember, I remember that stuff so here, you know, it gets hot, but you run out to the car and you start it up. You come back in the house in the air conditioning while your car is cooling down. Then you go out in the car when it's cooled down and you drive to work in your air conditioned car. You get out of your air conditioned car and you go into your air conditioned office. You know, so there's air, there's air conditioning and there's cool rooms wherever you go, but you don't have to shovel your way to the car to get in it. <laughs> sure, know? it's kind of it's kind of like Southeast Asia, the same, yeah. Yeah, yeah, except no humidity. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, it's like so one humidity it hasn't rained here in probably a hundred days oh that's that's not very good for the that must be very like it's a desert right 
Yeah, this is the desert. I mean, things grow here, but it's because we get water from the Colorado River. Um, okay. Yeah, it, we've, we've had maybe an inch to an inch and a half of rain all year long. Wow. Okay. That's yeah. not a lot of rain. That's really no, no, not, not a lot of rain. Some, some place like London is at like 12 or 16 inches right now for the year. Yeah, no, it's terrible. You, you know, no, no, if you don't we, have to live there, you should not live there, you know? Yeah. If, if, if we have three inches of rain in a year, it's a lot. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. Crazy when you think about it, but yeah. yeah it's true. So tell me, uh, and afterwards, did you, did you go to school? I mean, to higher school in, uh, in, uh, in New York as well? Um, I moved here in eighth grade, so I, okay. I only went to so pretty fast. grade school and, and uh, middle school in New York and then moved here uh, and went back to grade school because eighth grade, they didn't have middle school here. So, okay. And, then I, went to, and went, then I went to high school here as well. Um, okay. I was in high school and college at the same time and graduated college. Uh, I graduated high school a year, a year early and I graduated college right after actually. Okay. I got a, I went to a university while I was in high school and, uh, and after it was actually really cool. Was, was, what, sorry. Was, was there anything what you like, like was specialized in or what we already could see that the, the SEO coming out and, you know, and, uh, um, I, I, present I, themselves. I, come on. They didn't have computers then. What are you talking about? SEO. <laughs> but still, you know, still there is a, what I remember is the VC20, the Commodore VC20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, this is seventh grade when we got one of those. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you, yeah you could already write on them, you know. And playing Pong exactly. and stuff. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was in seventh or eighth grade when we had one of those. It was just before we moved out here. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, you know, I was, um, I'm one of those people that never opened a textbook and got straight A's. So wow. I'm one of those people everybody hated um, because lots of other people had to work really hard for their, their straight A's. Um, and, and I mean, I had a hard time with that starting in first grade. Um, I, I mean, you know, they didn't have, they didn't diagnose ADHD then, you know, and give meds and stuff. They just called us the class clown and put you in the corner for the whole day. Yeah. So I okay. spent first, second and third grade standing in the corner. Oh. Um, but I got great grades. Yeah, this, you, you know, it's, that's always a misunderstood, you know, uh, it's, uh, and, you know, it's, yeah. and, and then teachers don't really go, go with it, don't understand the children teachers, all the time, you know. And teachers, uh, teachers didn't even know what to, didn't even recognize it, they didn't know. Um, it didn't, it wasn't, I didn't have anybody in school even realize um, that they couldn't motivate me with the work until I moved here. And then once I okay. moved here, um, we moved to kind of a smallish town on the outside, uh, just outside of town. And uh, the school there had nothing for me. And I got here in eighth grade and they were like, you did all this in sixth grade? And I was like, uh-huh. So they said, okay, okay just, just show up every day this year and you'll do just fine. <laughs> and That's amazing. Yeah, so eighth grade was, a, eighth grade was empty. Really? Okay. And then as soon as I got into high school, I skipped a grade and I was in accelerated, you know, classes. And then I started going to college at the same time. I just wanted to get done. Tell you the truth. I hated school. I, I really did. They, they couldn't do anything to motivate me. And all I wanted to do was get done. I wanted to get done and get out in the world. So I had already owned a business, a couple of businesses. So, you okay, know, I was, that's I was, interesting. Yeah, 
I wanted to, I wanted to take over the world when I started high school, I was ready to take over the world already, Thought I knew everything, you know? Um, and I just, I wanted to get done. I did not like, you know, I went from a junior high school with like 2,500 kids to eighth grade with 52 kids in my graduating class. Wow. That's and, yeah. And I had a really hard, I had a really hard time only, you know, I mean, when there's 52 kids in your class, you're only there's friends, no competition, friends, like a couple of them, you know, and it's not like 2,500 kids. Yeah. Um, it, it was, I had a hard time at first and they had a hard time with me. <laughs> uh, they couldn't, they couldn't motivate me at all. But then once I got to high school here, uh, it was a bigger high school and uh, that was a little better, but then, I, then I started going to college and that was, that was actually really, that was fun. It was challenging. That, that was fun. I had, I had fun there. So how, how do you think where, where this switch to, for example, the interest in computer and everything what, um, with as well with, you know, your entrepreneurial skills, where, where did this shift happen? Do you recall something? So when I, my, I owned my first business when I was seven, um, hand delivering holiday cards in the neighborhood where I lived in New York. Yeah. And I put, I, I wrote out some cards and I put them in people's mailboxes. They said, Hey, you know, I'll hand deliver your, your holiday cards in the neighborhood. And I didn't know it at the time, but um, competing with the United States post office was a federal offense. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, the postal inspector and a federal marshal showed up at my house to talk to me. Wow. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> they showed up at my house and my dad answered the door. Um, and my dad was a New York city cop and he you know, he didn't take shit from anybody. So he, uh, he told them that they'd have to come. They wanted to speak to me, you know, and he told them they'd have to come back because I was indisposed at the moment. He told them I was busy taking my afternoon nap. <laughs> and if they wanted to talk to me, they'd have to come back. And, uh, that was it. So when I woke up, I had no more business and they never yeah. came back. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, but I, okay. I mean, you know, for the few weeks that I had it, I made money. I, I got this, you know, I got this, uh, itch. I had money, you know, I'd made money. So then when I was 11, I started delivering newspapers. You know, I, I was shoveling snow with my brother and stuff in the winter for people, you know, shoveling driveways. But then I got a newspaper route, started delivering newspapers. And that was when, you know, you really actually delivered the newspaper to the house and you went to the house to collect the money, you know, and they tipped you. I, did, I, made, really good, I made really good money. I mean, I, I still have the home stereo system I bought with that money in eighth grade. I, wow, that's yeah, and it's a it's a nice system. Um, so yeah, when I moved out here, you know, I had so I already had been in, done these two different business things, you know, and I just I had the itch, you know, I just I was always looking at stuff, and then uh, I got in the restaurant business, and I was in the restaurant business here, and when I got out of college, I had some pretty good job offers, but I loved the restaurant business. I really liked doing what I was doing. And um, I liked to party a little bit then too. So I just, I stayed in the restaurant business. But, but when, so when, I was, when I was in college, I was already running a restaurant. So as I'm graduating high school, I'm running somebody's, somebody's big restaurant. Um, and then the thesis for my degree was um, based on a catering concept. Um, and as I was presenting the, the, my thesis to people in the class, They, who were all older than me, they started offering me money. Um, uh, they wanted to invest in the company. I wasn't even ready to start it yet. 
You know, it was just part of my thesis. But they they were I had these people offering me a lot of money to 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 invest. So I knew I had something. I, you know, I knew I had a good idea. So before I even finished my thesis, I opened up a catering company while I was running somebody's restaurant. So this was the first business, right? Um, this was the first real, you know, the first real business. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, uh, I was 18 when I started it. Yeah. And I did, I did well with that. Actually. I had fun with, I had fun with that. You know, it was in that town. So I knew everybody, you know, and, uh, then here, 20,000 people were moving into the County every month at that time. Lots oh, of people. Lots. Okay. Yeah, lots of people were moving into the county at that time. So the real estate market was just booming. It was going crazy. So I focused, my catering company was focused on, on dinners in candlelight dinners for two in the home. That was what, what my thesis was on. So I, I had these chefs that worked for me. They'd come to your house, they'd cook dinner for you and your wife, then they'd clean up and they'd leave. Why did it so early? And they take it with them. Um, and that, but so that was what my, company start, focused on but I learned really quickly that I had to work a lot to make money and, but if I did a wedding I made a lot of money in a short period of time um, so I started doing weddings and stuff and uh, I was really busy I did really really well yeah I did really really well I hooked up with an insurance agent um, and every week he, we'd go to a different uh, real estate office and he'd buy them lunch and while they ate lunch he would sell them insurance, you know, but yeah, it was, it was, it was a steady, it was steady work for me. It worked out great. Um, I did. And I, I stayed in the restaurant business for almost 20 years. Um, oh, fine dining, re yeah. Fine dining restaurants and uh, five-star hotels, resorts and stuff. We have a lot of those here. Um, and, and was in that business for a long time and never always as a manager. I was always a manager when I was, when, when, I was never an employee. I was always a man okay. manager. Um, and I, I learned from some, some smart people. I, I had some, I learned from some really smart people. I went to work for one company and uh, they had hundred locations. And as soon as I came out of training, I became the senior manager in the busiest uh, restaurant in the company. And it was okay. crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. I made more in bonus my first year than I made in my, in salary. And, and my bonus potential was only supposed to be four grand. And I made eight times that Wow! bonus that year. Yeah, it was nuts. But I had this boss who was, I had, I had this boss who was like, I'm going to teach you how to be the laziest manager in the company. And you're going to have the best restaurant in the company too. And this it's he'd worked for the company for 20 years. He had the busiest restaurant, the most profitable restaurant. And he was the laziest motherfucker I ever met. Um, he worked 30 hours a week. But it was because he trained his managers. He trained he's trained his managers really, really well. That was his whole thing. You know, hire great people, you know, and rely on them. And they'll make, you know, they'll make your life much easier. And I, just, I learned a lot from him about uh, organization, you know, automation, um, how to hire the right people, how to judge people. Um, he was a psychology major. So, you know, he was in people's heads and stuff. And, he just taught me a lot about that. So then uh, that, was in, that was into the 90s. And uh, in 1996, I started a company. I, I knew something was going to happen on, on, with computers. It was just obvious to me. So I opened this company that um, sent information to people that were moving here. So sec so, this was the second company, right? 
Yep, this was my second, second, second business, time. yeah. Mm-hmm. So for 50 bucks, if you told me you were moving it to, to Arizona, to, to this area, I would get you school information, um, uh, property information, realtor information, doctor information, you know, all kinds of stuff. So you had you could decide what part of town you wanted to live in before you got here. And uh, I started, I did pretty good with that. And then um, the Arizona Department of Tourism heard that I was doing it and they thought it was a great job. So they started doing it for free. Kind of killed my business like like that. So then I kind of stepped back, you know, I was still in the restaurant business and doing really well. Um, But I was consult at that point, I was, was consulting in the restaurant business and you know, it gives you a little extra time. <laughs> so I was, I, I taught myself computers. Um, I okay. taught myself how to use the internet. I like to that break was 90, stuff. That was 97, right? The kind yeah, of 97, was, 98. Yeah, 97. That yeah, was I mean, beginning Yahoo and everything. Uh-huh. Yeah, Bolton board services and stuff. And yeah. I've, always, I've always liked to break stuff and put it back together. Um, okay. Whether radio or, you know, or a web page even. Um, I used to copy web websites and then break them up apart and then put them back together. And that's how I learned, you know, about SEO and stuff. I, that's how I learned how things work. And I started hacking a little bit and, you know, just, just, that's how I learned, you know, that's how I learned stuff. Um, so then in 1999, um, I was married. I had two kids by then. Um, my ex-wife was real in arts and crafts and she liked to paint cow skulls. Her okay. thing was decked decorating cow skulls and we had a whole bunch of them hanging around the house and she didn't know how to sell them she like you know, skulls you mean like skulls from a skulls. from a cow yeah cow skull with the horns and everything like they, okay yep <laughs> and um, i mean here in the southwest that stuff sell would sell really good in the gift shops but i think she, so yeah. yeah yeah she didn't um she just didn't have it in her to go to these gift shops to sell so i was like okay well i work full time so I can't do that. So what will I do to sell these? So I opened up a web store, you know, and I, you know, my first thought, I mean, that was the revolution of the cow skulls, uh, uh, cow right? Oh, I, I started in, <laughs> I started in e-commerce with a laptop and six painted cow skulls. Okay. Um, wow. And it was actually, it was called Aztec artworks. And, you know, I kind of thought about it and, you know, if you sell one product, your audience is this big, but if you sell this many products, you appeal to that many more people. So as we were putting together the website, we, um, we, we found 32 different artists in the area that made custom furniture, native American art, Southwestern metal art, everything Southwest and native American. Um, and I was, I was a beta tester for go to dot, go to an overture for the original pay-per-click back okay. before Google. Um, and I owned all my words for four cents a click. That was crazy. Wow. I remember being pissed when it hit a quarter. I was really pissed when it hit a quarter compared to what it is now, which is funny. But I, I did really, really well with the Native American stuff. Um, and we built furniture. Um, so Southwestern furniture, Mexican style furniture, is it looks nice, but it's not functional because the drawers leather, right? Um, no, it's it's cheap ass wood, but the drawers okay. swell. Okay. You can't open the drawers, you know, it's really kind of garbagey. But what we did was we did top of the line, locally made Southwest furniture with rollers for it was 
expensive stuff and it was nice. You know, all the drawers. The actual reversion, right? Yeah. Every, yeah. And I mean, I, I shipped armoires to the East Coast all the time. I shipped wrought iron furniture from Mexico to the East Coast all the time. Um, and then, uh, I mean, I was doing really, really well. I furnished a, a Marriott hotel. Um, we had a lot going on. Then my ex-wife and I were going, driving to uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico, going through an Indian reservation. And there's this abandoned gas station on the side of the road. And there's somebody there selling Indian fry bread, which is, uh, it's, it's a, a, a sweet thing that Indians make. Okay. And my ex-wife some. So we pulled over, you know, and she's getting it from, from the cart, from the truck. And there were these Indians there selling jewelry, you know, on a table right there. And it was gorgeous jewelry, Native American jewelry, copper, you know, and beautiful stones, turquoise and stuff. And I started looking at it and it was cheap. It was really, really cheap priced, you know, but it was nice jewelry. So I made a deal with them right then and there to drop ship for me. Um, I would represent them. And, you know, uh, they, they make the jewelry, take a picture of it, send me the picture. I'd post it on the internet. I'd sell it. I paid them more than they were selling it for on that corner. And I doubled, and I doubled that. So I, I did a million dollars in sales with them. The Maybe drop shipping was even invented by you. You know, we don't even. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Everybody yeah, was drop shipping. Everybody was drop shipping. Drop shipping. No, this is, uh, yeah. you know. I, yeah, everybody was drop shipping drop shipping then because P PL was not, you know, you didn't, you didn't, nobody had their own stuff yet. Um, I mean, we did uh, the furthest away that I got stuff was Mexico. I got uh, some blankets from Mexico. Every now and then I get some furniture, cheaper furniture um, from, from China, from coast, uh, coaster, coaster or Ashley. Um, but not that much. That stuff sold really well though. Okay. Um, but in Amazon was, my stuff was too expensive for Amazon, but at that time you could still put your URL in the listing, your webpage, your, your website URL on yeah. Amazon and eBay. So I used them to drive traffic to my website. And I got about 10% of my traffic from Amazon and eBay at that time. Um, but I did, I did really well. I built a mailing list at that time because, so my background from the restaurant business, from fine dining, when you are in fine dining, you have a, a community of clients, you know, and you know, they're really rich. So you know them really well, you know what they yeah. drink, you talk to them and you, you build a community. Well, I brought that to, with me to e-commerce and I, my site appealed to higher, you know, it was higher price stuff. I didn't cheap out. Um, and I targeted people with money. Uh, so I had, I built a community. I had a really good mailing list. I mean, I still have that mailing list and I could email these people and I could sell them stuff tomorrow. Um, and some of them have spent 20 and $30,000 with me um, then, you know, and then more after. Um, so I sold that business in 2003 for cash um, to this corporate dude come from California that just offered me cash, closed the sale in eight days. Uh, it's really good. Uh, I think it's a good, uh, was a very, it's a very good decision. When it's always the best, you need to get rid of it. You know, that's. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and it was in, and that business, um, it just closed during COVID. It's been open ever since. And he did really well, but so, he got sick during COVID and um, uh, he, he went back to his previous job where he made a lot of money. Okay. Uh, so, but yeah, no, that's been a, a good business. If I, 
if I was to open up an e-commerce store again, I'd probably go back into that business because I think there's a hole in the market. And I still have pretty good relationship with a lot of the artists and stuff that I had. Um, I mean, it's, you know, there's Etsy, there's Etsy for selling the, these things. It's, uh, that's, yeah, you know, that's people, people don't spend enough money on Etsy for me. <laughs> so I, okay. I like big ticket stuff. Um, the, uh, what was I going to say? Crap. I don't know. Yeah. I forgot what I was going to say, but I would, I would, I, um, it's the thing about marketplaces versus a freestanding website. I mean, a marketplaces are good but they cost more and you have to you know they have leverage over your business freestanding yeah. website you know you just have your hosting company but you're free to do you're free to run your business i mean i i was a business person before the internet and i don't i don't do control very well from other people um not at all and You know, I was successful before I started selling on Amazon. So I don't buy into the Amazon BS story. You know, I mean, Jeff Bezos is really smart. He, he brought all kinds of creations and inventions and stuff that have made our lives better. I'll give him that. He's brilliant. He knows human behavior and he plays people for fools. Amazon is the business model of Amazon is to make money for him. And, you know, the sheer, the sheer amount of sales that they do Are to an e-commerce seller seem like a lot and it, it, it makes them happy. But Jeff Bezos doesn't allow you to have a mailing list and a mailing list is your sustainable future without That's it. For sure. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. So I, I've, never, I've never bought into any of the stuff that goes on on, on Amazon. I sell, you know, I've sold on Amazon a lot um, and my clients do, but uh, Amazon is a sales channel. Etsy is a sales channel. Shopify is a, is a architecture, architect. Uh, Shopify is a framework for your business. It's not a sales channel. It's, a, it's an unfurnished Amazon apartment. It's mm, kind of, <laughs> sort of, yeah, kind, kind of, sort of. Amazon is, is like going to the mall where all these, you know, different yeah. stores are. Shopify is just the empty building two exactly. corners away with no stores around it. So you got to bring your own people to your store at a mall. They just show up. But when you're a freestanding store in a corner, you got to get them in the parking lot to come into your store. So, and I had that experience from when I had my furniture website, I opened up a retail store like an idiot because I had all this furniture and stuff in my house. And it, yeah, I mean, I had a big house, but it was, filled with furniture and I had two little kids that were climbing all over it. So I opened, I, I did my research. Uh, I opened up a furniture store in an area that we call furniture row because there's all kinds of furniture stores there. Okay. Um, and I did really well. It's the stupidest thing I ever did because I went from this much overhead to this much overhead, you know, and nine 11 happened during that time, you know, and there was a lot of stuff. Scared, yeah. yeah. There was a lot of the first Gulf war, Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on and it was kind of, you know, made business fluctuate a little bit. Slowing um, you down, right? Um, it, it, well, you know, when you're in the restaurant business and people walk through the door, you know, they're spending money. If they come in the restaurant, they're spending oh, money. Oh, yes, they're hungry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you know it. They're there to eat. In a furniture business, when people come in, they look around, they go home. They come back three they think, weeks later. Yeah, exactly. And they look around some more and they go home. 
And then they come back with the husband and he falls asleep in the chair while she's looking around and then they go home. And then they come back and spend $15,000. But man, during that time, you know, I'd go four or five days with no sales in the store. And then one day with a ton of sales from coming from the restaurant business, that was really difficult for me to adjust to seeing my life savings in front of me every day and nobody buying it. It's, it's um, an emotional roller coaster, you know, when you're, when you're sitting there and you know, it's not, it's not for me. That's why, that's why online I had, business yeah. is, is, I had the, the internet. Yeah. If I didn't have the website at the same time, because the website was hopping. Um, if I didn't have the website to keep me busy, I would have went nuts because I mean, I sold odd sized stuff. I sold oversized stuff. I mean, I'd ship an arm lock to Florida. So I'd, I'd get, I'd get this armoire. I'd attach it to a pallet. I learned all about shipping stuff on pallets and wrapping stuff so that they don't ruin it in the truck. Um, and I was doing a lot of that stuff at the store. I was building my own boxes, um, all kinds, all kinds of stuff. And then I started helping other, other sellers there then too. So because of my consulting background in the restaurant business, I started helping other sellers in e-commerce right away um, and helping corporations uh, move into, um, online marketing. You know, they, they did not see online marketing as, as worth doing in 2000 and 2001. I remember sitting there having to talk to CEOs and say, you need to incorporate online marketing with your traditional marketing and join the two. And, you know, and this is, this is the outcome and blah, blah, blah. And, and, I remember, I remember in 2002, the projection for e-commerce sales for 2003 was going to be $8 billion worldwide. That, that's, uh, if you see the numbers today, you know, it's... Uh, right? That's nothing. Yeah. Um, and, exactly. you know, I just, it, was in, it was interesting. I mean, I, it was interesting. So in 2003, I sold the company. Um, I was divorced by then and had full custody of my kids. So I took some time off and just did a little bit of consulting for a few years uh, and then just got in, got into it full time. I mean, I spent a lot of time with my kids for a few years. It was fun. We traveled and stuff and they were little. So, you know, they needed it. And uh, then then I got into helping people full time and selling and stuff full time. Um, I saw on a lot of platforms myself, a lot of different marketplaces, um, just because, I mean, I'm my whole thing is if i'm going to have a bit if i'm going to have a business i need to have an audience the bigger the audience the better you know so exactly. i'm not a, i'm not afraid of borders um you know or any of that stuff if somebody in new york in new york likes my product why wouldn't somebody in canada like my product you know i mean that's yeah we're uh, it's borderless you know you know we're now in the borderless times and that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's and the blessing of e-commerce you know and especially, and one nice thing about Shopify is that now Shopify is pretty much borderless. They enable you to have your Shopify store and somebody in, a, in another country can order from you in their language with their money denomination and you get paid the way you're normally getting paid. Shopify, is, that's a big plus for Shopify. Uh, Shopify is amazing. It's, a, it's, it's, it's definitely coming very, very strong behind, behind Amazon now, you know? It, it is. And, and uh, I mean, it's taken them a while. I've been a Shopify partner for a long, long time. Um, and they've come a long way. I mean, I, I've always liked them. Uh, I've, I've always liked them. I've always known that they, you know, they have, they have, there's a, they have a lot of advantages over a, 
uh, a marketplace like Amazon in my eyes, um, because you can you you can do what you want to do. You're not under some other person's constraints. Something that just always used to really irritate the crap out of me, in, and and it started in hotels. You'd have this corporate dude in some Marriott corporate building on the other side of the country that's never worked in a hotel in his life, making rules that affect people that work in a hotel and that, that service the guests. And this guy didn't know what he was doing. He just made decisions based on what he thought was right. Um, I don't like that. I, I don't like that. And that happens with Amazon. That happens with eBay. You know, there's a lot of that, you know, and uh, that doesn't happen when you have your own website at all. Uh, nobody, can, you can't get suspended when you have your own website. You know, unless, yeah, you unless can, your processor, you know, unless your processor suspends you. You're uh, in control, you know, and this is, this is yeah. super important. And this is as well what, what we can hear from you, um, that it's uh, very important to be always in control in order to run your own business and not being, you know, hanging on, on somebody like Amazon. I mean, you can still sell on Amazon, but oh, you yeah. need to be in control. If there's something happening, you can shift straight away. This is- You can't this is let the... anybody leverage against you. That's the thing. When exactly. you're only on one marketplace, you've got all your eggs in one basket and somebody can leverage against you. And I mean, I, I, I was a Boy Scout when I was a kid and the Boy Scout whole thing is be prepared. Always have a backup plan. Always have a backup plan. 100%, and, yeah. you know, and that's, it's all about backup plans. Part of doing a business plan is thinking about fail scenarios. What am I going to do if this happens? What am I going to do if that happens? What am I going to do if this competitor does this? It's a natural process of a business plan. It's yeah. not taught to marketplace sellers. And then the smallest things happen and they're screwed. They don't know what to do. COVID, I mean, it was not small, but this is big, you know? So, I mean, nobody was prepared for that. But, but I always. Why didn't, why didn't people have safety stocks? Yes. That's got nothing to do with COVID. That's normal business practice, right? Safety yes, stocks. Yes. yes. You, need, you need always to have two years, about two years of, of, you know, of what you spend on your account yeah. in, in order to, to live yeah, correctly. You know? nobody I mean, had safe, lots of sellers lost their butts this year because they didn't have safety stocks and they couldn't get their product from Amazon. Amazon wouldn't ship their product. I mean, it's. It was really sad what was going on on Facebook, you know, when you hear the people, yeah, listen, I cannot do yeah. it anymore. And, you know, my, my, my stock is, is not coming. It's in China. I cannot. Amazon the failure, shut me down. The oh, failure rate on Amazon has been horrible for yeah, yeah, yeah. five years. This year, it's even worse. I mean, 95 out of every 100 sellers are not selling at 12 months. That's awful. Yeah. That's awful. If you open a restaurant, your odds of the restaurant being open at 12 months are better than your odds of being an Amazon seller in, at 12 months, which is crazy. Yeah, it's absolutely you know, crazy. But it's, the fees are it's, very high now. You know, that's and, well, that the bar of entry is very low. What do you have to have to be an Amazon seller? An Amazon account. That's pretty much it. You know, there's no investment. Huge. It's not like you're building a build a store, a new business on a corner where you have to have 40 to $100,000 to open. Um, so these people come in with wrong expectations. They get sold um, a get rich quick, give away your crap scheme. And yeah. then, you know, and a lot of these people have never run a business. They have no experience selling. They've never managed anybody. They don't know how to manage themselves. And all of a sudden, three months later, they're launching a product. And, and famous last words are, okay, I've launched. Now what? Yeah, exactly. 
hello, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I don't under, I don't, that I just don't understand. I don't, and, and this is, you know, uh, um, I don't understand the no, no marketing. When you launch a product, it's just like you're opening up a new store on the corner. It's your grand opening. Not oh, you your, need to do a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. It's your grand opening. That should be the culmination of your marketing. You know, your, your big marketing push, not the very first day of it. So when you launch, I mean, it should be a party. You should have people there. People should know that, you know, now your product's available and you should have people waiting in anticipating your product. That doesn't happen on Amazon and, you know, eBay, Etsy, none, none of, uh, no, no. None, none of the marketplaces teach that. But when you're trying a, to get away PPC, you know, but when you have a new website, though, you're doing it, you're doing it the traditional way because you need money. You, you know, I mean, it's yeah, people assume because they're on this marketplace, they're going to get, they're going to get traffic. So they just, they get absent-minded and it's, it's as much seller's fault as it is the people teaching them, you know, it's supply yes, and demand yeah. as, as long as you have people that are with bad expectations and thinking their money's going to fall out of the sky, there's snake oil salesmen hiding behind the trees waiting for them. In, yeah, any, in any in any business, it's not just online, um, and they don't ask. They don't say how long have you been a consultant? How many products have you, have you actually sold yourself? How many different categories have you sold in? Do you how many strategies do you have? Can you do Facebook ads? Have you ever done a Facebook ad? Are you fifteen? <laughs> you know, I mean, they don't I ask know, they don't any questions and. It's 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 bad. It's really it's really bad. Um, I mean, I mean it be is because because especially now people come with you know with their life savings, you know, three five thousand, and say, yeah, let's do it. You know, uh, you know, See, they don't even consider the situation. Beef. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. That's that's, that's my beef. Is I, they I don't sugarcoat stuff for people, and some people can't handle that. But I see these people that are blowing their family's savings. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, hello, wake up, you know, how, the very first thing they should be thinking of is how do I learn best? You know, they, yeah. every, uh, there's certain people that I just, I don't work well with. I know that. And there's certain, you know, there's certain people that would have a hard time learning from me because of how they learn. They need to understand, they need to ask themselves that when they're getting into this, you know, when, when, as a, as a new seller, you're going to be, you have a lot to learn, a lot to learn before you launch. So, you know, you need to almost set, you need to be willing to set your life on hold during that period while you're learning all that stuff and, and, and launching stuff. This is a business. It's not a hobby. If it's a hobby, go to a hobby site like Etsy, you know, don't, don't try and get in this, this business stuff. And they don't, they just don't understand the concept. The right, they come in with totally wrong expectations. I'm going to be able to quit my job and I'm going to be driving a Lambo in three weeks. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's but, just but this is, this is what, what, what the media is displaying for them, you know? So, so the yeah. Media, I'll, I'll, yeah. The media and people, you know, the snake oil salesman. Yes. So our job is to, to, to make them understand that this is not possible, you know, although. It, I don't, yeah. It's not my, it's not my job. My job is to, my job is to help people that, that are willing to, to make the effort 
um, to improve their business. I can't do anything for people. No, that- what, what, I, what I mean is we have, <laughs> to, we, we, we have to tell them, listen, if they, if they come, for example, to us and want, want to do this, uh, I have to tell them, listen, if this is yeah, your yeah. life savings, please yeah, don't truth. go to Amazon, you know, don't go, <laughs> don't do it, you know, wait or do something else. Build yourself up before, buy stocks yeah. or do something. I always uh, educate people, yourself yeah. before, you know. I always That's what I mean, actually, that, with yeah. uh, tell people I'm there to, to tell them, you know. You know? Go find, find a meetup group in your local area, you know, where <laughs> sellers meet up. Get to know some people there. Maybe volunteer to help somebody so that you can learn on somebody else's dime. Exactly. You know, and so you can learn. You're helping them. They're helping you. It's anything. Any knowledge is better than no knowledge when you first get into it. Um, find, sourcing products is is difficult, but the way sourcing products is taught to go to some country that you're never going to visit on the other side of the world. You, you don't speak the language. You don't understand the culture, and pick something out of this catalog that uh, not five possible. million other sellers yeah. are looking at too. It makes no sense. Yeah, but this is it's over. I think that would, you know, this is a. You know, this this is what I, when people ask me about sourcing products, this is what I say. Where you live, right? What is something where you live that is not available everywhere else that tourists have to have when they come visit? That's a good advice. What is something like that? That's where I came up with the Indian, the in Southwest. That's exactly where I came up with that idea. Everybody that comes here, everybody that comes here has to buy some Indian stuff or some Southwest stuff or, or a rattlesnake picture or something, you know, everybody that does that. And I mean, even in the restaurant business, we, uh, in this, these restaurants that I ran, we started selling rattlesnake and it was, it's expensive. It's because it's for expensive. food, for food. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, Man, it's, it's expensive and it, but it's good. But everybody bought it. Everybody bought it. Everybody. Because it was all tourists. They were all from somewhere else. And all any server had to say to them was, how'd you like to go home and tell everybody you ate rattlesnake in Arizona? Boom. Sold. It was everybody bought it. So, you know, I, I, I knew I had that experience, you know, in my mind and it worked. I knew it worked, you know? So that's really where I came up with the idea for the Southwest of, I, I personally have not sourced from China since 2008. Um, and I, and I wouldn't, it's not, I want to be able to drive to wherever my stuff's coming from. And I want to be able to go in there and talk to them. I want to see it being made. You know, I, I, I want to have, it's about relationships, you know, and I want to be able to talk to the people. So, I, you know, I live close to Mexico. I've sourced plenty of stuff out of Mexico, Guatemala. Um, back in the day, everything said Heco in Mexico. It didn't say made in China. The drug war, the drug wars forced all the manufacturing from Mexico and South America to China. Um, people don't realize that. It all moved to China once. It can move away from China again. Um, and that there are which is very unrealistic i guess you know it's uh there are companies that are moving away from china maybe a bit you know like but the main they they have the workforce you know as long as there's not something happening like covid you know it's uh but but you know for the last three years it's been cheaper to um labor wise it's been cheaper to manufacture in vietnam korea and uh, mexico than has been in china because the wages have increased so much in china 
from yeah. people being successful. Um, people, people don't necessarily see that. Um, you know, China, ha- China has the corner on, on like the solar market and the circuit board market and some, some s- specific sectors. Foxconn, who uh, they, they manufacture iPhones, they're a Taiwanese company. They announced that they were immediately moving the majority of their operations out of China. And they okay, already yeah. had they already had land here in the U.S. and they were moving uh, somewhere else in Asia, uh, India, and the U.S. For them to announce that as a Chinese, you know, firm, you know, they they could face a lot of backlash for that. Oh you know, yeah, but, definitely. But they saw the writing on the wall themselves. You know, they were they they understood that you know this isn't going to work. You know, China people are pissed at China. There are tariffs. You know iPhones are expensive enough. Imagine having to spend a tariff on that. But but their announcement that they were moving a lot of their operations out of China will break the semiconductor hold that China has. That will change a lot. I, I think that's really interesting. Um, but, you know, hey, there's 204 other countries in the world. You oh, yes, definitely. You can't tell me none of them make anything, you know. I no, mean, no, they all listen. They all. I can, what I can tell you, most of them. I don't. I don't want to go on the, on countries now or say where where is good or where is not good. I just say in general, there is a lot of other countries which are producing stuff. They produce, mm-hmm. but as soon as it goes big, for example, they cannot produce anymore, or they are not fast enough, or they, uh, they there is problems with quality, you know. But that that's the thing in China. That's what always works. Or let's let's say Southeast Asia, because as well Southeast Asia, because as soon as you go there and you say, listen, this is what I want, and this, and if you stay with them and look what your product, how your product is done, you most probably get a good product very fast, and uh, yeah, and can can ship it already. Whereby in, in in other countries, I've seen it myself that there is a uh, problems afterwards when it goes bigger they cannot they cannot follow anymore you know and then there's problems you know it's hard it's china has china has manufacturing at scale down to a science um but there's there's still you'd be you'd be surprised though there's still a lot of countries that produce quite a bit i mean mean, india india is amazing india is amazing what they produce you know Did, did you know canada is almost at the same um import level as China is for the US. No, I didn't know that. We get a lot of products manufactured in China. I didn't realize it either. Um, but I wrote an article about sourcing outside of China on my blog. And I, I made a list of all the, the top countries that we import from. And um, the difference between China and Canada is much, very small. It really is like only 30, 40 billion dollars, which isn't for, you know, when you're talking about 300 billion, 30, 40 is not much. Yeah. Um, it, that surprised me. I did not realize that we were getting so much out of Canada. And Mexico was the third country that we do a lot of trading with. Oh, yes, Mexico, everything with leather and stuff. Yeah. And it's because we have NAFTA and the borders and all that and that stuff. So now cars are not made in, there's a lot of vehicles that are made in Mexico. They're made, a typical car crosses the border between the U.S. and Mexico 30 to 40 times during its production. It's really interesting uh, because right. there's and there's certain places in Mexico where there's no um, uh, there's no border rules for products because they're manufacturing plants right on the other side of the border and stuff okay. just goes right back and forth, back and forth. Um, 
not everything, you know, not all, not all, you, ha you have to look at the, um, uh, the raw materials are part of it too. So yeah. uh, I, have, I have a client who here in Phoenix, that's had a company for 50 years, made in the USA, and they use uh, three eighths and half eighth, half inch thick, four by eight sheets of steel. Okay. And um, I, they got a, they got a sheet from Mexico, a sheet from China, and they always, they've always used U.S. steel, and they put it in a CNC machine and to see it because they were looking at buying steel from China or Mexico. And the owner's 80 years old. He's on. He started the company 50 years ago, and he said it ain't gonna work. It's like okay, well let's well, let's watch. The Chinese steel shattered like glass. Half inch okay. steel shattered like glass after about 27% of the sheet being cut. We're cutting flanges, half inch thick flanges for an automotive part. So okay. we got 27% yield out of the four by eight sheet from China and it shattered. The, the four by eight sheet from Mexico, we got about 65 to 70% yield out of it. And the four by eight sheet from the US, we got 97% yield out of it. So we, we used almost the entire sheet of US steel. So for the price difference, it made no difference. Yeah, US steel costs more, but we got a better yield out of it. Plus, um, I would, I'm, our planes are made out of Chinese steel, airplanes. The airplanes yeah. we fly in. I watch that stuff shatter, half inch thick steel like glass. It's think that that's what they make planes out of, you know? And, and I, I mean, it's, I appreciate the fact that he, he, he spends the extra money. I mean, his stuff's made in, made in the USA. All of his employees are from Mexico. That's what you can say as far as, you yeah, know. Yeah, then it's uh, cheaper labor, yes. Yeah, it's out of country yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but they've all worked for him for a long time too. And even the people that knocked off his products coming out of China, um, you could tell the quality wasn't there. The quality wasn't there at all. Uh, ah. it, it's, it's harder to, to manufacture here. Uh, but manufacturing, you know, people don't realize, they say, oh, manufacturing left the United States, blah, 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 blah. Actually, manufacturing has been on the increase for years here, but it's techno technology type manufacturing. So jobs have not increased with the manufacturing increase because it's all automated. Yeah. So while manufacturing is doing this, jobs are doing this. You know, they're not really increasing yeah. with it. So we have manufacturing here, but it's the higher, higher, you know, level manufacturing. Yeah, I understand. I understand. It's not the labor with the, with yeah. the, with the hands. The, the, it's, it's too expensive here for any kind of labor intensive manufacturing. Yeah. Same in Europe, you know, it's, it's exactly yeah. the same. That's why everything it, goes to. Yeah. The cost of living is just way too high. And, and there's, it's too appealing. I mean, as bad as it sounds, for a lot of businesses, they can't they can't overlook how appealing certain countries are because of the slave labor conditions. Basically, yeah. I agree. I agree completely. I agree. Um, so. It's crazy. You know, it's I used to when I had my furniture company, I could order wood in South America and have it shipped to the Philippines. And in the Philippines, I had, it would I could have it turned into a dining room set, and then have it shipped to here to in the U.S and sit on a boat for a month in, in the, outside of San Diego, waiting to get through customs. And it still, yeah. it still cost me less to do all that 
than to go to the wood store here and buy the wood myself without labor to make the same dining room set. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that, it was way less, like almost half the price. That's crazy That's... when you think about it. I mean, it's just to buy the wood was more expensive than to move wood halfway around the world, have it turned into something and then halfway here. That's crazy when you think that's, uh, that was, that was an eye opener for me. Um, um, you know, it was, it was interesting, you know, and even the native American art and stuff. I mean, those, those people, you know, they, um, they weren't, they weren't charged. They, they weren't charging on the reservation. They weren't at that time. They, they did not realize the demand for their product. They, they were getting taken to the cleaners by a lot of companies that were, lowballing them on what they were paying them and then selling for a lot. I doubled what I, I, I doubled what I paid them and I paid them more than they had ever made before. Um, they were happy. I was happy. I mean, it worked out that's, great. That, that's and, really good. You know, from, from, from this business, when you, when you, on, when you can make money and on top of it, you do a good deed, you know, this is a, this is something unpayable, you know? Yeah. I mean, and I have, I have stuff right there from my store. Uh, I have a bow and arrow set that uh, a real working Indian Native American bow and arrow that works it's five feet tall. Uh, it's made from a, the trunk of a mesquite tree. The arrows are made from branches. It's got turkey feathers on it for feathers. I mean, I got that guy into the Herd Museum, which is an, a Native American museum here in Phoenix. Um, and now he sells those for like a thousand bucks. I think I was selling them for 300, 350 maybe. And because they're handmade, everything, everything handmade, every, you know, it's everything. authentic. Yep. It's everything amazing. Is, it's amazing. Everything was handmade. I had a, uh, and I, I learned a lot of things too. I had a, a leather couch that I had made and uh, what cost me 1500 bucks and I was selling it for 3000 and I was happy. I was selling six, six a month at $3,000 or a piece, um, six a month. No, I was, selling, yeah. Yeah, I was selling, what was I selling? Let me think about this for a second. Three, six, nine, I was selling three a month at, at $3,000 a piece. The okay. guy that bought my store, he upped the price to $6,000. Ah, so you sold this store actually, yes? yes. This, is, this is the business I sold in 2003. Okay. okay. Um, so you know, my whole thing was to make this expensive furniture and stuff a more affordable for yeah. people, middle-class people. It wasn't not just for luxurious people. So he came in and he, this guy was rich and he didn't think that way. He said, screw it and jacked up all the prices. He took this 3,000, this couch that he was paying, I, we were paying 1,500 bucks for. He started selling it for $6,000. And um, are you familiar with Sharper Image? It, um, used to be, it, no. was the, it was the magazine that used to be in the seat on airplanes with all the really okay. expensive stuff in it. He started okay. advertising that couch in Sharper Image. So he was spending $1,000 a month to advertise that couch in Sharper Image, but selling it at $6,000. And he would sell, uh, I sold three, he sold two couches a month at $6,000 a piece. So I, I sold three and I made $4,500 on three. He sold two and he made $8,000 on two sales a month. Who is the smarter yeah, it's, person? It's good. It's yeah. already the advertising, you know, the advertising yeah. already kicking in, you know? But I mean, I, I was making 
4,500 bucks. He was clearing 8,000 on less sales. I learned a lot. I learned a lot from that. Seeing him come in after me, you know, with the same, with the same product, you know, and this just a little bit different marketing plan. And I learned, you know, I learned then it's, it's, it's about finding your audience. I don't care what something sells for on Amazon. Amazon is not the best place to find your audience. Amazon is America's cashier stand. The only people you get on Amazon are people ready to buy. You don't get people that don't know they need this yet, you know, or who are comparing products. Those people are not on Amazon. They're on social media talking to people. They're on Google. They're on forums. Forums are a great place to advertise still. They're on Reddit. Um, That's where you find those people. You know, that's where you find those people. And um, that you sell more. When you only sell on Amazon, your audience is this big. It's still a lot of people, but it's it's this big. It's only the people that are ready to purchase. When, you, when you're advertising off of Amazon, your audience is this big because you just have other people in the various p- places of the buyer's journey. Um, so when you sell on a marketplace, traditionally, you all you do is you offer your product page. Hey, buy. <laughs> you know, here, here it is. Buy it. You don't offer anything else to people. Um, so when those when sellers then get on Facebook and try to do Facebook ads or try to sell on Facebook, First of all, six times Amazon's worldwide membership logs in and out of Facebook every single day. So if you only sell on any one of the marketplaces and you're running Facebook ads, you're wasting traffic because you're going to get people in your funnel that don't buy on that marketplace. So what do you do? You get a Stripe button, a buy now button on your Facebook ad for the people that don't buy on the marketplace. And you can sell it through Facebook or the Shopify Lite program, buy now button. It's that, that easy. And you're not paying the fees that you pay on the marketplace. It's, it's that easy to pick up extra sales off of these marketplaces. It's low hanging fruit. You don't even realize that you're already advertising to these people with, if you're running those ads. But the problem with that is, you know, when somebody's on Facebook or Instagram, what are they doing? They're doing this, right? There's, they're scrolling. Yeah. So you're, your job as an, as a marketer, your primary job is to get them to stop, <laughs> you know, to, to get them to stop scrolling and to get them to, to read what you post and, and to, to, to get them to say, wow, okay, I want to read more about this. So how does that, ha- how does that happen? You know, how, how do you, how do we, how do you make that happen? It's not with an ad. Do you read ads? I don't. Do people go to Facebook to buy? Not the ones I know. You know, they go to Facebook to run their mouths and to talk to their friends and to post pictures about what their kid had for dinner or what the dog did, you know, driving down the road. You know, that's what they go to social media for. So are they going to read your ads? Generally, no, they don't. But the first thing you need to do is is get them to stop. Talk, you know, and when they stop, then they focus on, you know, then you have a conversation with them. Don't put an ad up. They don't want to see an ad. Have a conversation with them. I have this problem. Do you have this problem? I, 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 it was really rough for me, but I found a solution. Do you want to know what it is? You're having a conversation with them. That's how you sell on social media. You don't just do the two for one, blah, blah. It doesn't, it just doesn't work. It does work, but you're. It works in a supermarket, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I I don't know. You know how I feel. Yeah. yeah, 
stuff. I understand completely. And as well, you know, in these, in these special times we have right now, uh, because everyone is, uh, is a lot more on social media, a lot more in the internet, you know, and the, the, the scrolling, as you say, is a lot more because people advertise more, people want to sell more, everyone, you know, everyone is moving in the online space. So there is, even now, although we have a lot more um, that we can, that, that, that we have a lot more, a lot bigger, larger audience, uh, it's as well getting more competitive because everyone is, is moving on. And there I want to go come again back to the uh, COVID-19 because that was my question as well for you. Um, wh what would you, uh, what is your opinion about COVID-19 and as well in the business world we are right now? What, what do you think? Because what I, why I'm, I'm coming to this is because... Um, I kept this from uh, from your business, what you were talking about, the business which uh, where you uh, had your private dinner and a cook coming at home, and uh, you know a, a nice date and nice food. You know, this is this is an amazing idea because uh, before uh, there was not too much of this. You know, it was very at the early stages, I would say. You know, right. and I think right now, although uh, bringing a cook, uh, unknown cook, directly into your home may not be the most uh, the best way at the right. moment but you know everything is big if he if he does a pcr test before you know and then he, he you know and uh, i mean this is this is an amazing business which you can do like physical business which you can do during covid times as well mm -hmm. so uh, that's why that's why my my where my question is coming from what do you think about business and where do you think where do you see online businesses heading so something that I, that because of my background during COVID, we were all stuck at home. I, I look out the window and all I see is opportunity. I see businesses that are closed, that can't move their product, that for some reason never got online in the past. So as a seller, what I would have done was picked up the damn phone and start calling these people, the, the coffee shops, the little action, places that action. Make, make their own stuff. And I would have said, hey, uh, I'm an online marketer. I can get you some sales and help you move the product that's on your shelves that might be spoiling soon. And they would say, really? Cool. What do I have to do? Exactly. You know, what do I have to do? And I'd say, well, you know, uh, I need, I need you to sell it to me for your best, best, best price <laughs> because I need to make money too. So how about if I give you a third of the profits, if you give me your best wholesale pricing? Well, now I just got them to buy in because they're making some of the profits too. So now they're going to drop ship for me and they're going to do exactly what has to be done the right way because they've got skin in the game. And I, I mean, I, I would have been drop shipping for everybody. But really, I mean, I, I would have. If I started selling again tomorrow and I even going into the Native American thing, the first thing I do is hop in my car drive to downtown Scottsdale where there's all these expensive art, art stores, it's all native American Southwest stuff, really expensive stuff where they don't have any foot traffic right now. Um, and I, I, I'd, I'd have a drop shipping store up by the end of the day of really expensive art and stuff. I wouldn't do it without my, without making two to 250 a sale, $250 a sale. So we're talking expensive stuff, but I, because of my background, I know where to reach those people. I know what magazines they still read. Um, I, I know how to get, get to those people with that kind of money. 
that's how I'd start my business. And then that would build the money for me to invest in my own product. I'm not going to take my money in savings and put it on the line to start a business. I'm going to start the business the way I know how to is with other people's money, with other people's inventory that they're paying for, not me. That's an amazing and, insight, really. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, how, that's how I learned to, to, to build businesses. Um, this go blind, throw all your money, you know, money, throwing money at problems is the, should be the final solution, the last choice, not the first choice. When it's the first choice, you're a bad marketer. That's, that's, the, that's the problem. Um, I, I personally think the word seller is derogatory. Um, sellers to me are the, the clown guys at the circus selling peanuts and the guys at the, the baseball stadium selling, selling the sodas and people at the swap meet. If, if you want to be successful, you need to be a marketer. You can't stand there and say, buy me, buy me. I'll give you two for one. That's what you hear at the swap meet, you know, like and, a Facebook and, ad. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, Amazon is turning into what eBay used to be and eBay's trying to turn into what Amazon is now and they're doing a good job. And Amazon's doing a really good job of turning into a Tijuana swap meet. And it just, it makes me think of going to Mexico and looking at a product and then walking away and the guy going, Hey, hey, hey I'll give you 50% off. You come back and you look at it and you're like, nah, you know, and you start working. How about 20, how about 75% off? You know, I mean, that's what they do in Mexico. And that's what Amazon seems to me. It's, 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 I don't know. It's, Amazon's a great place. There's a lot of money there. It's, it's, you can't be a serious e-commerce seller without considering using Amazon, you know, in the different marketplaces, but you you can't be a serious seller and only be on them either because there's nothing worse than waking up suspended and not knowing why. Oh yes. I'm going to ruin my, if my company's going to go belly up and go and tank, it's going to be my fault, not yours, not Amazon's, nobody else's. It's going to be my, if I'm going to ruin my life. I want to do it. Nobody else. Yeah, you need to be in control. You, you yeah, need to be in control. That's uh, I don't that's let other sure. people affect me like that. Um, you know, and, and Amazon sellers accept too much. Amazon oversteps their bounds because they are allowed to, and nobody stands up to them. You have to call them up and stand your freaking ground. Amazon expects you to drop everything. If they send you an email that says you need this or you need that, they expect you to drop everything and to grovel, you know, and, oh, what can I do? What can I, I expect the exact same performance out of them. I really do. Fuck them if they don't like it. Excuse my French, but I mean, that's, I expect the same professionalism from them that they expect out of a seller. And I'll, I've told them that, I mean, they don't like it. And most they of the don't time give it, it works. They, they don't, they don't give the same back, you know, it's uh... um they, I noticed in 2008 that if you are adamant enough with them and you stay on the phone for four hours and get all the way to Seattle with a problem, um, they were using AI as far back as 2008. Because I noticed that after I made like the third or fourth call like that for a client, they stopped messing with that client completely. Uh, 2008 is another level. You know, it's, it, was, uh, it was a lot more accessible. Now, you know, you know yourself, it's, uh, it, you, you don't, it, you don't get any more across a chat, you know, it's. Yeah. But you know what? In, in 2008, Amazon had no phone numbers. Um, they, they didn't even put phone numbers on business cards. Anytime their phone number was released on the internet, they changed them. 
Everything was only emails. Yeah, I mean that's how that's how bad they were, you know. And they're I think they're trying to move back to that now, actually. Um, they're trying, like, I think, because there's less and less phone numbers uh, circulating. Yeah. You know? So right now, you know, Amazon was just um, called on the carpet by Congress, uh, and they're under a microscope right now for all the bad things that have come out about them in the last 12 months. Um, so they are scrambling to make changes. Uh, scrambling to look good, you know, oh yeah, we, we do this, we do that. And people, a lot of people are getting suspended right now for crazy things. Specifically right now, a lot of sellers are getting suspended for having um, associate, multiple associated accounts from years ago, all of a sudden now they're suspended over it. Um, and it's, it's frustrating and it's probably going to get worse, to tell you the truth, because Amazon is doing what they always do not address a problem until it gets really bad and then overcompensate. And when they overcompensate, yeah. they hurt a lot of good sellers. Um, and it's, it's frustrating. It's really frustrating right now. I have a client who for the last 12 months, every month has one of her listings filled with drug names in the back end. Somebody's getting into her account and filling it with drug names and then Amazon's wow. and then Amazon's suspending it. They have admitted that they know it's an internal problem. They know it's an internal problem. That's pretty strong. So they don't if they do anything against that, yeah. yeah, if they've admitted that now, why do they not do anything to help her when she, she has these problems? Why do they make it so hard on her to fix like two weeks of no sales each time? That makes no sense. That makes no sense. And I've sold on platforms that are busier than Amazon for the seller, multi-million dollar sellers selling on Amazon, selling on another platform with zero headaches from the other platform, doing more in sales, millions of dollars a year. Why is that? I understand Amazon's huge, blah, 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 blah. Sorry, they also have more information data stored than anybody else in the world. They should be able to pick out bad reviews. They have enough data to figure that stuff out. They just choose not to. Exactly. That's what I want to say. I, I think they, they simply don't want to. It's their, you know, it's, there is a simple reason they don't want to, because as you said, they have the technology, they have the overview and they have the manpower to do this. But for some reason, they definitely choose not to it's do It's crazy. It. Yeah. It's, it, it's crazy. It makes no sense. Because in the end, it's going to hurt them. I mean, right now, a study from last year, less than 18% of U.S. buyers trust Amazon reviews. And they also indicated that they trust Walmart reviews more by double digits. That's never, wow. happened, to be, that's never happened before. And because of stuff like that, 75% of all first-time e-commerce purchases in the first half of this year occurred on Walmart. And that's never happened okay. before either. That's a lot. Yeah. That says a lot. Now, who does that hurt? That hurts sellers because Amazon is not policing its, its playground. Yeah. That hurts, that hurts sellers. That's wrong. Sellers may build, you know, sellers are, are where Jeff Bezos gets his money from. You know, Amazon keeps the mailing list. The lifetime value of a mailing list member is 10 times the initial purchase. So if let's say you're doing $100,000 in sales and you only get 10% of them onto your email list, but Amazon keeps that email list. 
Well, the lifetime value of that 10% is actually a hundred grand. So that year you gave $90,000 in future sales to Amazon and got none of it. That's why he makes $150,000 every minute in profit. And people just, people don't realize that. That's why he makes that kind of money because it's, it's, you're happy with that one, that initial sale because of the short-term money. Get a lot. Yeah, it's short-term it's money. You get exactly. a lot. You, you're fooled because they don't tell you about that. They don't. Where anywhere does do they say mailing list at Amazon? They don't. They just say emailing your buyer. They never say the word mailing list. It's nowhere in TOS lit, mailing list. They don't want to bring it up. You know, they don't. They don't want to bring it up. People don't realize that. Amazon runs the PPC for vendors. Amazon runs the PPC for vendors. So that means as a seller, you're most of the time you're competing against Amazon. Themselves, yes. Who's driving the cost of PPC up? Amazon is. And people don't realize it's, hey, Jeff Bezos is a brilliant businessman. He's got the system rigged so that not only do you sell for him, but you give him back your margins you know, just to be able to sell. He's, he's I mean, smart. It's, it's a pretty good business Yeah, for him, yeah. Yeah, de- definitely for him. Um, and you know what? A lot of sellers have made a lot of money. You, you read all these articles about, oh, there's this many million dollar sellers and this blah, blah. None of those articles, though, ever, ever say, and there have been this many that have failed. You know, Amazon... I mean, you think about it, Amazon's been getting over a million sellers every year for at least 10 years, but there's only 3 million sellers now. Where did the rest of them go? The math doesn't add up, you know? I mean, it just doesn't add up. There should be 30 million sellers by now if Amazon was as good as they say they are. And they're not. I mean, it's survival of the fittest. Could you imagine 30 million sellers? That'd be competition. Uh, that would be real competition. I mean... Yeah, but, but still, you know, if if... If a seller stopped being a seller and learned to be a marketer, competition doesn't matter. You'd learn how to build demand. You'd learn how, where to find your audience. There are lots of forums. Forums are what we used to use as social media before Facebook. We'd, we'd go to forums. On forums, like if you have baby products, the mom forums, they're filled with moms, just moms, you know, and dads, parents, not everybody else too. That's so much more targeted than Amazon. And the advertising on the forum is this big compared to this big on Amazon. When you advertise to everybody in your, in the buyer's journey and it, your, your acquisition costs go way down because it's really low at the beginning and you establish that relationship then, and then you're just leading them to the decision that you're the best choice. You don't have that big payout of PPC on the, on the ass end. PPC, that's expense. When you're just trying to get people on, in, when people are standing in line at the cash register at the grocery store and you're standing behind the, the cashier and you're saying, buy mine, I'll give you two for one, which is really basically what an Amazon seller is doing. You're, you're giving, it, that costs a lot. It costs money to stand there, you know, to have that space. And it costs, you got to give a lot to get somebody to buy from you because they've already decide they're already probably going to buy from somebody else. So, you know, your goal as an, an e-commerce seller is, and this is with any market, your goal as an e-commerce seller is to be in that customer's mind when they're in the parking lot before they get into the grocery store. 
you want them thinking about buying your brand. When, when you send somebody to any, um, uh, any marketplace looking for your brand and you're there, they're not, they're not going to be fooled by somebody's rebate, somebody else's. They're, they're going there to buy your brand. I know that because that's how we market. That's how we focus our Amazon sales. We don't do marketing on Amazon sales, on Amazon. I have a multi-million dollar, dollar selling client who's been on Amazon for 10 years and has never spent a penny on Amazon marketing. And he's a top seller. So oh, that's, that's amazing, you know? Doing 200K a week in sales and has never spent a penny on Amazon marketing because we they focused their marketing before Amazon. And they sell on Amazon as a courtesy for their buyers that like prefer Amazon. But because they send traffic to Amazon, Amazon rewards off Amazon traffic better than it does PPC traffic. That builds up their Amazon ranking and they get Amazon sales too. And people don't see that at all. It's okay, I'm okay with that. Um, I prefer to market to premium buyers, full price paying buyers. There's plenty of them in the world. Look at the demographic of an average prime member or even walmart.com, same demographic as Amazon. Um, those are people our age with families that live in homes that are, that are settled down and pay their bills and will spend the full amount and sometimes even a little more for quality and for the perception of quality. Definitely. The typical prime member is not a 99 cent store fanatic. Um, and that's who a lot of sellers appeal to on purpose. That's how they rank. They don't come back unless you're doing a 99 cent deal again. Right. Um, and that's, I like that because the, there's not that many people that are marketing to the, the premium buyers, which is fine with me because that's just makes it that much easier for me. Yeah, it's true. I mean, we have, I think you have already replied to the question that I have to, to, for you right now. Um, but what, what would be your message? <laughs> what would be your message to um, digital entrepreneurs right now? And as well, the ones who, who want to come in and, you know, start an online business. What, what would be uh, your, your, you know, like a direct message? Don't overcomplicate it. Look around you. Look where you live. Guaranteed within 30 miles of where you live, there's somebody who has product that is not well represented on the internet that would love to get on the internet and have somebody sell it for them. This, it's not rocket science. It's, it is, it's, I mean, you can pick up a marketing book from 1888 and read it and you can apply it to e-commerce and you'll do fine. I mean, it's, you know, that's really, I mean, I, I follow principles that have been in use for, for, you know, over a hundred years, hundreds of years, but, but applied to e-commerce, build a community, build value, give value, provide solutions. Um, business is business up until 10, 15 years ago, business was about the art of closing the deal. How can I yeah, close yeah. the deal? Close business the deal. Close changing. The deal, yeah. Right. Now it's, now it's about solving problems, adding value. You know, if you just hit somebody to close the pit, buyers are smarter now. If you just hit them with the hard sell, they, they don't, who likes going to buy a car at the car, at the car dealership? Nobody, yeah. because those guys are idiots, you know, but if you, you build value into it, you know, and you talk to people and 
people people remember that you know i mean it's i i, I don't see why people just don't get it when all they have to do is sit back and think about how they would feel what do they want how do they want to be treated you know i mean that, the whole thing about that i learned in in nice restaurants and nice hotels is this is your home these are your guests treat them as you would your best friend coming into your home right you know what your best friend likes you know you have conversations with them i mean that's really that's it's that easy it's human nature to want to be recognized in a place or by a business as a regular when you are a regular or to be um, acknowledged that you have a concern or a problem. It's, that's you, it's basic psychology. You know, if you sell a hammer, don't sell the rubber handle, sell the house that the hammer that you're going to live in, that the hammer is going to build, sell the final emotion. So if you saw yeah. a hammock, if you saw a hammock, don't write your listing about the 500 thread, you know, frog hair linen, you know, that it's made from, write your listing about hanging out on that hammock on a Saturday afternoon, watching a baseball game with a beer. I mean, emotions, you know, that's what sells that hammock. I don't know what 500 thread, I don't know what that means. Why would I care? But it's in every listing already. So why do I need to read it in yours too? Right? Uh, I mean, you see the same crap in every listing. They copy each other left and right. And that's, it's, by the time they get to your listing, they've already read it. What do they, what do you need to say it for? You know, I just, it makes no, it makes very little sense to me. Um, why? I, I don't know. I'm jaded. Call me jaded, whatever, you know, uh, I, the easiest way to sell the, for somebody new that's just getting into it. I'll give you the answer to everything. You're not inventing or selling anything that somebody else doesn't already sell, right? We're not inventing a new wheel or a new kind of, uh, you know, a new angled wheel or anything. Somebody's already selling it. They've already done all the work. Everything you need to know to be successful is right there in front of you. On Amazon, on eBay, on Etsy, there are top sellers for everything, right? They are the answers to everything you need. You don't need to go test PPC for the first three months to learn what your converting words are, blah, 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 blah. You don't need any of that stuff, right? There's tools out there that tell you that. When I learned there were none of those, when I learned there were none of those tools and I still found a way to find out, it's called hacking. But that was a long time ago. <laughs> you know, now there's, you know, Helium 10. Helium 10 tells you everything you need to know from your competitors to be able to launch. And yeah, shout out to Helium 10. Really, yeah. you know, best and, tool ever. And, 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 and they, they give you everything. They, my, my view of it is you did 80% of the work. I did 20. I'm taking your data. Thank you. Because I'm going to use it before you do. Um, and I'm going to get 80% of the benefits. And it works. It, it absolutely works. There's no reason why anybody should launch and not know their keywords. There's no reason why anybody should launch and not know what it takes to compete at the top. They're right there. Type it in, pull them up and look at them. Look at those listings and say, what do they do better than, than I do? What's better about their listing than my listing? If your listing is not optimized with images and wording to compete at the top, right out, right out of the gate, why are you crying that you're on page 43? 
You know, I mean, really, that, that's 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 what I you know I ask people all the time. It's like, oh yeah, I'm optimized. I'm good. really so. What does the top seller do that you don't do? Well, I don't know. Then how do you know you're optimized? The only measurement of optimization is how well you compete against the top selling listings. You can write a listing for me and you can say, yeah, Joe, it's all optimized. But you know what? If it doesn't convert, it's not optimized, right? Definitely. If it doesn't convert, it's not optimized, period. End of, end of conversation. Well, then why don't these people look at other people's listings? I mean, don't just look at, if you're selling on eBay, don't just look at the listings on eBay. Look at the listings on, on the other marketplaces too, because there are words on those other marketplaces that might not be being used on eBay. There's um, selling um, methods that are being used on those marketplaces that might not, nobody might be doing on eBay. All of a sudden you, you're the brightest guy in the, on the block because you're trying something that everybody else does, but somewhere else. Uh, it's, it's really, it's not too many people out there trying to make money off of this stuff over complicating it. There really, there really are. You know, and for, for new sellers, if you're going to choose a coach or a mentor, first you need to ask yourself, what is my learning style? How do I learn best? And identify that and then look at coaches and, and mentors that work best with that learning style. And when you're talking to them, have some, have some guts and ask them, what kind of background do you have? How long have you been coaching? How many products have you launched? How many marketplaces have you Ask, ask them, ask them for a reference. Is there somebody I can talk to that you've had for a while? Don't be, don't, don't be afraid. If they say no, you know, or they have you call their mom, um, you know, they give you disconnected numbers. They don't expect you to call anyway. So half the time, the bad ones, they'll give you fake stuff because they know you're not going to call. It's like job references. When you go to, to a new job, most companies don't call job references. Well, why do they ask for them then? You know, I mean, it's stupid. And then they get all upset because the person turns out bad. Well, idiot should have called their job references. They would have told you, <laughs> you know, maybe you never know. Yeah, sure. Now, yeah. now you don't need to call them. You just look on the internet. Everything's on the internet. Yeah, it's very fast. <laughs> Everything is there. Yeah. It's yeah. That's, that's, that, that's a really amazing message that don't overcomplicate things. I mean, this is, uh, this is, really valuable and as well what you what we learned today from from you uh, it's uh, it was amazing and i'm sure as we spoke about it now we give value um we have to give the value to uh, out there we have we are in a different age a different time so yeah this is this is uh, you know i'm i'm amazed and it's uh, it, it was a real pleasure to to have you on um, the margin business podcast um, and where 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 can um yeah, interested or maybe potential clients contact you. Um, um, I'm on, my website is ecommerce-optimizer.com. And I'm on social media a lot. I have a YouTube channel, Ecommerce Optimizer. I'm on Facebook as Ecom Optimizer. I'm on Pinterest and Instagram as Ecommerce Optimizer. Um, if you type Ecommerce Optimizer into Google, you'll find me. No, yes, because uh, Joe, yeah. Joe Reichsfeld is our SEO monster, you know, so definitely yep. you will find yeah, e-commerce optimizer. Free, uh, I have a free Pinterest workshop on my website that's available and I have uh, content management, buyer personas, We I, I do coaching, got a lot, a lot of different things for to help sellers compete 
and be the best they can be. Yeah, thank you so much, Joe. That, uh, like I said, this was really amazing. The insight and everything. I'm. Uh, thank you. Yeah, of course. And, uh, Thanks for having hope, me on. Hope, hope we can do this uh, another time again. And maybe next time I'll have to come visit you there, and we can sit and look out the window and have a drink. You got a beautiful <laughs> Some view. Some coffee. Some yeah. coffee for sure. I got. I got a not, very. I'm sure nice he's view. gonna have a lot more really good podcasts. Okay. Thank you so much. Great. Mm -hmm. Okay, great having you, Joe. Yep, thanks. Take care.